Good morning. Welcome to Out of the Coal Mine with Pastor Mark Jusinski. It's good to be with you today. It's been a while. Picking up a couple podcasts here. I've done a bunch of writing, obviously preaching for the church. And so just bringing a couple articles to you. I'll pick back up in the Heidelberg shortly as well. So it's good to be here today. Today's article. We don't know the value of planting seeds if it doesn't rain. My daughter and I put the seeds in the dirt. Every day now we've been watching the earth for a sign that this death will give way to birth and the rain keeps falling. Familiar lyrics, if you know the song by Andrew Peterson, his next uh, his next paragraph in that song is this, Down on the soil where the sorrow is laid and the secrets of life is igniting the grave. And I'm dying to live but I'm learning to wait and the rain keeps falling. One of my favorite Andrew Peterson songs. Uh, there are so many directions to be pulled in, <clears throat> so many sides to choose, and the world is exhausted. It feels that way, doesn't it? The church has been pulled into various narratives these past few years, uh, maybe even being the scapegoat uh, that it's always been historically, I guess, by an unbelieving world. But during previous historic conflicts and other pushes by anti-Christian philosophies, the church has been labeled systemic oppressors, anti-science, anti-social, amoral, and the list goes on and on. Maybe you've been labeled some of these things as well, just for holding to the historic faith. You feel like you haven't changed and you watch the world change around you. But we know nothing's new. In fact, in the early church, Christians were called cannibals because they partook of communion. The early church was accused of incest because they were called to love one another. The early church were labeled a godless cult because they would not bend the knee to Caesar as a god. Jesus told his followers in John chapter 15, 18 to 25, he said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it's hated you. If they were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because you do not know him, because they, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If uh, I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. One unfortunate byproduct of cultural Christianity, if you're caught up in that, that lukewarm, nuanced Christianity that's taken the shape of the world, if you're caught up in cultural Christianity, uh, there is a desire to be liked and approved by the unbelieving world. Cultural Christianity desires the respect of the world. For the immature Christian, the conflict is, uh, um, is wanting Jesus and wanting the world at the same time. And we know that we are to be in the world, but not of it. We cannot serve two masters. When we forget the gospel, as we often do, we forget what Jesus has done, is doing, and will yet do. We forget that Jesus has taken us out of the world from its pursuits and desires and has put us back in now different. We forget that Jesus is at work in us, in the world, and rules over all things in such a way that history belongs to him as much as we belong to him. We read in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexually, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Christ takes us out of the world in salvation, and then he puts us back into the world to be the salt and the light of the world. We are now to let that light of Christ shine out of us into the darkness of this world. Jesus sent his disciples to make disciples of all nations, but he warned them as well in Matthew 10, 16 to 39, when he said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, but you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but who cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, 
Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, while it's easy to get caught up in the push and the pull of the times, we are instead called to more than the world offers, aren't we? We're called to more than the world debates. We are called to more than the world clashes over. We are called to the pursuit of Christ. And so we come to 2 Timothy 2, 1-13. And Paul wrote, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And then Paul continues in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may, also, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. While the world apart from Christ reels and presses against Christ and seeks to label, silence, and diminish his reality, it's easy to get caught up in the pressure and be silent, isn't it? To be inactive and to be scared. Yet our calling, our mission is different, it's simpler, it's better, it's not exhausting or confusing. The church's calling from Christ is clear and life-giving. So what is our direction, our calling, our response in such times, in all times? It is to proclaim and pursue Christ. That's it. It is gospel proclamation and gospel living. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, second part 18 to 20, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Often we miss the first part of the Great Commission, I think, which which allows the second part actually to even happen. We understand our calling is to make disciples, but we think that it's our doing and our strength and our effort because we miss the first part. Don't miss the first part. Jesus said all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. Because that's true, we can now make disciples as he changes people's hearts and lives. But how do we make disciples? We proclaim the gospel and live out the gospel and teach others to do the same. No matter what's happening in the world around us, in the seasons and places that God has caused us to live. Acts 17. So, where is Jesus now? If all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him, If Jesus rules and reigns in such a way that not a hair can fall from your head without God allowing it, we might ask, where is he now as we face trying times? Where is Jesus as we seek to proclaim the gospel and live it out by the power that's in us? That power being the Holy Spirit given to us by God. Where did Christ go when he rose from the dead, we might ask? We know Jesus ascended to the Father. We know Jesus is at the right hand of God, Acts 2. The right hand is that reference uh, to that very place of all rule and authority. In fact, Paul says this of Jesus in Luke 20. Um, He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, but when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. So what else is Jesus doing now? This brings me to Romans eight thirty-one to 39. Hear these words. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So where is Jesus? Right now he's interceding for you. He's holding you firm in his care. He's making sure you finish the race that he's placed you on. And this includes all the details of your life, the joys, the sorrows. This includes the times we live in, the culture that presses against the church, the church that asks, who are we? Why are we here? What are we to do? We're reminded that this question has been answered for us a long time ago and summarized as pursue the gospel and live it out. Well, we're in the midst of spring, moving into summer. New life, new green, new buds, and the warmth of the sun that makes all things grow. The seeds you're planting now in your life, and the life of others, they need the rain. And they need the sun that follows the rain. Don't despise either, and let this time of year, this spring, this summer, be the time you rest in the Son of God, who makes you grow. Rest, rejoice, and pursue Jesus. That is all. What's well, good to be with you today. Pastor Mark out of the coal mine. I'll talk to you soon.